0: The National Institutes and Standards of Technology, they did a study and they found that as you go through every environment, the cost of a security issue to fix or a bug to fix increases. And what they found is that by the time it gets out into production, it's roughly 10x the cost is if it had been found in development and addressed. And that's massive.
1: Josh Minthorne is the co-founder and global technology director of Accelano, an IT technology consultancy and professional services company that helps organizations define and implement their DevSecOps adoption and cloud migration. Today, we're talking about why the security landscape has made companies hesitant to move to the cloud and what they can do to migrate with confidence. Welcome to DevOps State of Mind a podcast where we dive deep into the DevOps culture and chat with friends from small startups and large enterprises about what DevOps looks like in their organizations. I'm Lise from LogDNA. Join us as we get into a DevOps state of mind. Okay, welcome, Josh. Excited to have you.
0: Yes, thank you. Glad to be here.
1: Awesome. Let's start by telling our audience a little bit about yourself and how you came to be the co-founder of Excel and now
0: yeah so so my roots started uh, hands-on keyboard consulting, writing a lot of code and uh, you know was working with a customer in, in the home healthcare industry was my first project. Uh, we were completely re-platforming an off-the-shelf product. Uh, there was a lot of complexity to it and, and we were we were starting from scratch and, and through that experience um, I started to really realize the need for automation. And then throughout my consulting career, I, I continued to see that. And over time, I saw at the time it wasn't really called DevOps, but those principles I, I started to really understand and, and try to invoke on every project that I was, that I was on. Um, obviously, at that point in time, the number of tools and frameworks that were available pale in comparison to, to what's available now, but the concepts and the need was still there. Um, And then as as I continued throughout my career, I got more and more into parts of the infrastructure and then also with the proliferation of the cloud. So I've been very hands-on keyboard for a number of years and then got together with um, some previous consultants that I'd worked with at some other companies. And we just started to create Accelano, which is a combination of accelerating innovation. That's how we have our name. And, And we focus on really two core things, which is around DevSecOps in cloud. Uh, There's a lot of things that go into that. It it always depends. We have a number of offerings there. Um, But what we pull from is we saw that there were challenges that customers had typically in these two areas. And um, sometimes they're actually combined quite often with a number of our customers. And so uh, we worked with them to understand their challenges, their needs, what are they trying to do? Uh, Maybe it's new business capabilities that they want. And really help put together a solution, and then help them with that, whether that's a single solution or implementing DevSecOps or migrating to the cloud, or all of the above.
1: Awesome! It's really interesting to talk to people on this show because a lot of them have a similar experience to you, where they have been in the industry for you know quite a while, and they saw the need, and then DevOps and later DevSecOps kind of became the clear solution on how to, how to solve some of the problems. I had the complete opposite experience where I entered the tech industry pretty late in the game and I only had experienced companies working in this kind of DevOps style. And I remember my older brother who's been in tech for decades, when I had my first job in tech, I went to him the day that I realized not every company was already in the cloud And I was like, wait, what this is this is a thing and now having had the opportunity to work at LogDNA where we work with a ton of customers who are still early in their adoption of DevOps and their migration to the cloud. It's it's interesting just to see how the different perspectives influence how you kind of go after the problem.
0: They do. They absolutely do.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Super interesting
0: yeah, you know it's funny, you say you know that you know, seeing that oh, there's all these customers that aren't in the in the cloud to to put that into perspective, um uh, they they estimate that right now, roughly only three percent of all available workloads in the world are actually in the cloud.
1: Wow. that's insane,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, especially when we think about how much is currently in the cloud, but again, it only represents such a small, Portion of what's out there and what's available, and that number is going to just continue to to grow.
1: Amazing! So people definitely still need a ton of help. They do. What are some of the specific problems that you guys solve on on the day to day for customers?
0: Great question. I'm I'm going to really answer that from two different ways. One from a DevSecOps perspective, one from a, a cloud perspective, and and they really again they really you know overlap. From the DevSecOps perspective. We see customers that are starting their their journey or have just started their journey around DevOps and maybe DevSecOps. And they're trying to figure out where, where do they go, where do they start, what's a strategy look like, how do they implement it, what are gonna be some of the challenges, how do they overcome that? And, and, and that's primarily what we see. So we'll help customers, we'll do an assessment of what's their current maturity. And based on that, we can identify a number of things. One of the key critical things that we identify are, are gaps. And those gaps can be around tools and platforms. Sometimes they don't have tools or platforms. Sometimes they have more than one tool or platform, right? Different groups using different things. And, and that causes operational challenges and, and, and things like that. And then another one is around skill set. You know, you can understand that the concepts and, and the methodology of um, DevSecOps, but as I like to say, just because you can read a cookbook doesn't make you a chef. And I don't mean that in a in a negative way. What I mean by that is that it takes repetition and practice and experience, and in building that that muscle memory and, and just facing different scenarios and situations. Because DevOps is not a tool. It, it's it's not a platform, and it's again, it's methodologies and and, and core practices and principles. So how companies do it is, is going to be a little bit different. Again, there's some fundamentals to follow, but it's it's not one size fits all. And so that's how we really help with customers there. And, and the other thing is, is with that experience and knowledge gap, as we all know, there's, there's a bit of a shortage of a number of resources and skills within the, the labor market we can help fill that and we've helped customers where they're trying to build out a team and and maybe what they do is they bring on newer resources that maybe are a little bit on the junior side or don't have as much experience or there's different experience levels and, and different types of experience between all the individuals. And so there's differences and what we'll do is we'll help bring them up to speed so that eventually the customer does have that team um and then in other cases the customer doesn't want to necessarily invest in managing all that so we'll actually go ahead and and provide that for them and they're kind of really the consumer of a a devsecops service if you will from us so we so we manage everything from the cloud perspective the biggest challenge is are we going to the right cloud have we set things up correctly are are we operating and running things Also, how do we even start? What's the strategy? Because you can architect and build everything in cloud, but all of your traditional applications and everything, how do they get moved? What should be moved? What's the priority? So going through that application rationalization process is really, really important to figure out applications that should be moved. And once they're moved, are there going to be changes? You know, the traditional lift and shift, things like that. Also, again, going around the experience and the skills, same thing with DevSecOps, that applies to the cloud. And then really overlapping all of it comes to security. One of the biggest things that we see that stops development from moving faster is security. And that's why we really push on DevSecOps now. And then moving to the cloud, one of the big things is the concern from security around being in the cloud. And security is is sometimes made out to be the bad guy which I think is an unfair is, is an unfair characterization because they're actually trying to understand risk, protect against risk because when something happens, it can have a major impact on a number of facets to a business in terms of revenue, in terms of customer perception and, and brand awareness and, and a number of other things. So um, again, working through DevSecOps, working through cloud, those are the things that we typically see again with that underlying piece being around security.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. There's been kind of a perfect storm in the last couple of years with the pandemic going on, a ton of breaches, a ton of vulnerabilities that are majorly impacting like a ton of industries at the same time. How have you seen that change trends in cloud adoption? Are more people moving to the cloud? Are they more hesitant? Has it made no impact at all?
0: Yeah. So I think this is a great question. So with the last two years, things have really been turned upside down. And and I, I don't know if necessarily the pandemic has said, okay, now let's move to the cloud. I think really what it is, is that the pandemic has now become an impetus for companies to look at how they're operating. They've been remote for a long time, and now they're going to maybe a more hybrid model. And, and because they're looking at that, they start to look at, other things in in what's going on. And they started to say, hey, how can we um, reduce operating costs, but also reaching customers, but also be able to have the agility, the flexibility, and the resiliency that's necessary to maybe now operate in this new world. I think also certain industries were impacted greatly. And so they started to really have a focus on operational costs, look at travel and, and leisure right people aren't on cruise ships people weren't flying people weren't renting cars all these sorts of things so these companies had to say oh wait a minute you know internally we got to look at, at how we're, we're operating and, and you might be thinking well wait a minute what does that have to do with i.t and, and i like to think of it as it, it this Day and age, just about all companies are actually IT companies that provide some sort of service. Or, you know, banks—they're IT companies that provide banking capabilities. Look at Carvana, for instance. There's like one or two people there, but you do all of your shopping online, or you sell your car and you go drop it off, and everything is ready. There's—it's—it's it's not the traditional way that you used to do things. Technology is—is is really the backbone that's able to provide a number of of business capabilities, and I think that's you know one of the things that. Uh, is really important. And one of the things that's been seen, there's been reports that have been done that between 2020 and 2021, when there was a breach, the average cost has increased by 10%. Now, when we look at those breaches and we say, okay, there was a breach that was caused by somebody that was at an office versus a breach that was caused by somebody that was remote, there's a major cost difference. In fact, when it's a breach caused by someone working remotely, it's roughly a million dollars more in terms of the cost per breach. Wow! And so that's why I think again, looking at things, saying, "Hey, we got to move to the cloud," but also, we're companies are saying, "We we we have to get security under control." Um, and I also think. To be quite honest, that when companies are looking at moving to the cloud, it uncovers a number of gaps in security. Not necessarily because security wasn't catching things, but I think it was because a lot of times people work around and find ways to get around security and that causes these gaps and these security potential uh, issues.
1: That's super interesting. Why do you think it's so much more expensive for a breach that happened in a remote environment?
0: I think because it takes longer to detect, and therefore it's available for a longer period of time. And then because people can't, let's say, huddle into a conference room or, or walk over something, like, it takes time, and therefore it takes it's longer to alert people and to to mobilize people and get people to start to look at it. And then you go through all you know the research and everything. It just it just ends up taking much longer. And I think that's a lot of times really what's what's causing. That's that's what we've really been seeing is that um, the distance, the geography now has presented a challenge. And I think that what's important about that is when we think about the cloud and DevSecOps is that the goal there is to start to make it so that you leverage technology so that geography and distance is no longer a factor in terms of being able to identify something and then being able to research, troubleshoot, and resolve it as quickly as possible.
1: That's awesome. Have you seen a correlation? I have a guess that you're going to say yes to this, but a correlation between cloud migration and DevOps adoption. Are are people really thinking about these hand in hand right now, or not necessarily?
0: Yes, absolutely. What we tend to see is that when someone's going to the cloud, that DevOps is absolutely part of that. And the reason is is that they're they're going to be starting to take advantage of new architectures, cloud native architecture. They're starting to take advantage of the scalability and some of the other things that are provided by the cloud. and Usually that's going to be pushed because you've got development teams that are wanting to take advantage of of those things, and and those development teams are are wanting to start to use DevOps and and operational teams too. Let's not forget that because there's infrastructure as code, there's uh, configuration as code, you get into chaos testing and all these sorts of things. So those teams are starting to, to push it. So that starts to, to be what pushes to the cloud as well. The other thing is that what we see is when we talk with customers, okay, how are you going to run in parallel? You're going to have applications on-prem. You're going to have applications in the cloud. Sometimes you're to have to deploy to, to both. Well, the only way to really do that in an efficient manner and to make sure that you're not creating a lot of additional uh, administrative and operational burden is through devsecops right? you want to be able to automate the deployments and and, and everything else and scalability that, that goes with that and so they very much go hand in hand and i would i think that you don't have to have devsecops to go to the cloud but i think if you don't going to the cloud is going to be much more challenging um, you know as the adage goes the sum is greater than its parts and obviously the parts here is the cloud and and devsecops
1: for those people who aren't doing both and who are operating in the cloud, but still with what I would consider more of an old school mindset, how do you think that they're going to be able to compete in the next few years with other people who have changed the way that they think about the style of work and the way that they operate and collaborate?
0: So what we've seen in in in, in what we're, if you will, kind of predicting, is that if you don't make the operational changes and in you, in you're kind of operating as is, those that have made the changes are going to be able to react to customer demands and, and wants and needs faster. They're going to react to market changes, right? There's going to be new entrants into the, the different markets. There's going to be ones that, that leave. They're going to be able to adapt there. They're also going to be able to, to grow Easier as well, right? So, if they say they're they're focusing on a specific market, let's say here in North America, and they want to go to other uh, regions, well, if you've got things done in a way leveraging automation and and all these other things, you're going to be able to roll that out and and do that and grow revenue much faster. And the the other companies, yes, they can do that, but because they're doing it slower, especially nowadays. Right there's the first entrant really starts to have a lot of uh, advantages in terms of gaining uh, market share, and I, I would say that you know hey this is we've seen this before from companies that didn't embrace technology compared to companies that did. You know there's the story of of Blockbuster Video and, and, and Netflix. Yeah. You know, not I would say that it kind of is 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 very much a parallel in that they provided roughly at the time the same service, but. Netflix started to do things differently and then started to really leverage technology as a competitive advantage and look look where we are.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I've been meaning to watch that documentary. I think it's on Netflix <laughs> actually, The Last Blockbuster in America.
0: <laughs> the irony is is unbelievable.
1: Oh, it's so good. I mean, I like that Netflix takes those types of shots. I find it very hilarious, but I'm sure Blockbuster is not thrilled.
0: <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> yeah. We've touched on this a little bit, but I want to dive deeper into the emphasis on security in devsecops and why it's so important to call that out rather than just talking about devops, which technically should include security as well. Why do you think it's important to call out security?
0: So one is we continue to to work with customers and um you know, my firsthand experience, I saw this uh, as well, is that a lot of times the way it was is that security was seen as an obstacle or a challenge to releasing code and in, in things that have been written. Um, I remember writing code and we had a release uh, weekend and the week before, two weeks before, security would go through and scan. They'd find all these these issues, far more issues than could be fixed uh before the the release and we said hey well we have to release because if we don't we're not going to have a shot to do this for a month or you know sometimes like for instance I did some work for some banks and, and insurance companies and stuff it was quarterly so there was a massive window between the next time you could release it wasn't just okay we'll we'll, we'll do it the next day and so what would happen is there there'd be this horse trading if you will of we'll fix some of these things just enough to make security happy so that we can do the release. And it was then, okay, we'll put the rest of these things you know, on the backlog and which becomes technical debt. Well, the thing is is that that stuff never really gets fixed because there's other things that start to get put onto the backlog and the priority of addressing new customer issues or um, adding enhancements always wins out over security. So you start to do this rinse and repeat because you're starting to, add more functionality and doing these other things and security keeps scanning and scanning and scanning and these things just keep getting added now i remember when i was a developer it was just hey we understand we want to fix these things we want to address these things we just don't have time it just doesn't line up and so really the what ends up happening is that security becomes a bottleneck well you can only release and do things as fast as your bottlenecks and So with security, the the goal is with everything with DevOps, DevSecOps, let's shift everything left. And so the goal there is to say, let's get security embedded into the fabric and the overall everyday process of writing code. A developer, as they're writing code, they could be warned about things that they're using. Uh, They check in code and it goes through a scan, right? They get this feedback immediately where they can go ahead and address things. So it becomes a little bit more natural and it's a little bit more iterative as opposed to waiting to this thing that takes place at the end. And then you know, there's other sorts of testing that can be done too. We always talk about automated testing, but there's SAST, there's there's DAST, there's IAST, you know, there's white boxes, black box testing and all this other scanning that needs to take place. Those things should be taking place as we're writing the code, just go ahead and scan every so often in that way it's being fixed and addressed kind of as we go, as the developers go, as opposed to, again, waiting towards the end. The great thing with that is that you start to then see, as we worked with customers, the security teams, they start to see this trend that more and more things actually get fixed than the way they were before. And the number of vulnerabilities goes down. And therefore, there's an inverse correlation that as vulnerabilities and things go down, security and stability goes up. And what's interesting with that is that it starts to get done faster than it was done before, which I think is an incredible thing because technically all the same work's getting done. It's just by slightly tweaking things, now all of a sudden things are getting uh, addressed. Um, and, and one of the important things too is that it's not just getting security to buy into DevOps, right? It's also getting developers to say, hey, security needs to also be at the forefront of your mind. And that also comes down from a from a business standpoint. So from NIST, the National Institutes and Standards of Technology, they did a study and they found that as you go through every environment, the cost of a security issue to fix or a bug to fix increases. And what they found is that by the time it gets out into production, it's roughly 10X the cost is if it had been found in development and addressed. And that's massive. Again, because it has such a major impact when it's all the way out into um, production. And then, you know, with that, and I mentioned, you know, getting security to buy in on DevOps. Now, the thing that's important with that, because you asked a question earlier about what about the companies that continue to do things as they have been? Well, this is where there needs to be a change. Security needs to start to understand DevOps and understand that this is now an opportunity to really change how security is done. Right? There might be gaps in how things are being done. Well, now this can be done as part of the development lifecycle. The infrastructure, the code, everything can now be a part of that. So this is now an opportunity to actually just from a pure security standpoint, improve what security is doing. And, and, and when we educate and they understand that piece, and then we help with developers and everybody starts to get educated, now you've got all of these teams working together collaboratively. And as I mentioned, The same amount of work gets done in terms of things getting fixed, and there's also less technical debt. But again, as the the number of vulnerabilities and things goes down and the quality goes
1: up. Yeah, absolutely. First of all, love all of the stats that you brought with you. They're so good, and I think they really help paint a picture for people who might not understand how important these concepts are. So really appreciate that. And then the second thing is, I think a lot of times when we're talking about shifting left, the common misconception is that that means everything falls on the developer. They have to think about operations, monitoring their code, all of this stuff. They have to think about security. And it becomes a ton of pressure on one single person or group of people But the way that you just described it, having security buy-in and understand the impact of DevSecOps is super important. And I think that that's something that people need to start calling out more. Like it's developers thinking about operations and security, but it's also security thinking with a developer mindset. Right.
0: Yeah. And when we move to that, what we like to say is that you move from kind of this sequential DevOps sort of way, which is dev and then there's operations and then the individual dev teams they've kind of all optimized within their own little silo and even though devops is meant to break down silos what we still see is customers say oh we do devops we say oh okay yes you do but they still have silos right in fact uh, we we've seen customers that have devops and then there's the devops team and the devops team works in a silo right and so it, it's 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 basically same thing different name in in terms of some of the things that are being being done, when we start to move and we've got dev and sec and ops all working together, we, we've now really moved what we'd like to say to a concurrent DevOps model. And that's where, again, you like you mentioned, security working with operations and security working with dev and dev working with operations and dev working with security. And what it's really about is not, oh, well, here's what operations does. Here's what security does. Here's what dev does. It's like, hey, what do all of us do? If there is a security issue then everybody's accountable security hey how do we address this what should we do operations how do we make sure we run and do we need to fix anything development hey do we need to address this how did we not catch this and then and you just kind of iterate over that and and again it becomes that much more collaborative sort of space and and it also as you mentioned i'm glad you bring this up that pressure on the developers developers are empowered more to do more but with that empowerment means more pressure and and you can't just rely on just developers. That is a recipe for not necessarily disaster, but not success. And so having everybody work together is really the, the key piece here.
1: Absolutely. Okay, last question. I would love to hear tips that you have for folks who are early in their adoption of DevSecOps.
0: First and foremost is get a lay of the land. Be honest, take an inventory of where you're at, understand your blind spots, understand your your gaps, and and it's okay to have those. Because if you don't do that, you're going to overlook something, you're going to miss something, and the whole premise is to get better. So you've got to do that, and then you've got to have a culture of it's okay. People like to say fail forward. I like to think of it as you didn't fail, you learned. And so when something comes up, Okay, how did this come up? Let's get this fixed, but then let's let's take the time to figure out what went on. Right. I I I train in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, and that's one of the things we do. And then also I'm a, a big F1 fan. And if you watch after the races, the team, the driver, everybody's sitting around and they're going over every little tiny detail of the race because they're looking to say, hey what did we learn? How can we improve? And that might be for the next track. It could be for the next time they come back to that exact track, or it could be anything else, right? The the goal is, is that what did we learn so that every time they're making incremental improvement? And and that's the other thing too, is when you're taking stock of everything, create a baseline. Because as you make changes, it's very important to understand that as those changes are made, and we do this with our customers when we're consulting with them, to understand the impact. And you need to measure the impact of every single change so that you say, hey, if we made this change and there's no impact, well, then was it a valuable change and why not? Maybe you made the change and there was no valuable impact, but maybe it's because something was missed. And it's not actually that the first change wasn't valuable, it's that something was missed. You got to make another change and now all of a sudden, you start to get that impact. And so those are really you know, one of the, the key things is take stock, measure, set a baseline, be honest, and, and say, hey, look, we're not good here. Let's get better here. Hey, we didn't think this would happen. Why not? How do we address it? How do we make sure that we keep improving?
1: I've never heard a comparison between Formula One and DevSecOps before, but it's so good. <laughs> uh, not only because of what you just said, but also... It's like a team sport (laughs) in a way, you know, you have the driver, but every person who's involved is deeply, deeply specialized in their contribution to the success and they all have to work together and lean on each other and learn from one another to make it successful. I think that's my new favorite analogy. (laughs)
0: Well, good. You, you watch races and you see, you know, there's, it's just the driver. There's a the car chief, there's engineers, there's two people for every tire on a pit stop and they all have to individually do their things, but they are also working, as you said, in together in harmony, because if any one piece has an issue, it all starts to fall apart. And and, and that's really how it has to be. It's not just a driver driving a car. There's a, an entire, uh, I don't want to say supporting cast because I think they all support each other. And, and, and that's the same thing with, with DevSecOps and, Quite honestly, you know, when you think about going to the cloud, it takes a lot of different groups. When you're operating in the cloud, it takes a lot of groups. Everybody has got to be working together and, and understand how they impact things and, and the goals and the bears that they're going to get out of really doing these things uh, the, the best way.
1: Yeah. I had an idea for the title of this episode, but maybe it needs to be retitled to why DevSecOps and Formula One are one and the same.
0: Hey, I, I think it's great. I think that's perfect.
1: <laughs> awesome. Okay, Josh Minthorne from Excellino, thank you so much for being here. For people who are interested in working with you, how can they find you? What's a good first step to engage?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, our site, AXCELINNO.io, there's also hello at Excellino.io. You can also find us on LinkedIn and, and Twitter. So, please definitely reach out. We'd love to learn more about how we can help.
1: Awesome. And we will put links to all of those resources in the show notes. Thank you.
0: Absolutely. Thank you.
1: I'm Lise. Thanks for listening to this episode of DevOps State of Mind brought to you by LogDNA. We're nearing the end of this series, and it's been amazing to chat with our friends from all types of companies to hear how they think about DevOps, DevSecOps, and kind of what's next for the industry. Make sure to tune in to our last two episodes where we're having some awesome surprise guests. If you missed any episodes, be sure to go back and listen because there are some great nuggets from folks talking about what DevOps looks like in their organizations and what they think the future of the industry is. Make sure to subscribe to the show and then pop over to LogDNA's website at logdna.com as well as follow us on social at LogDNA on Twitter and LinkedIn and join LogDNA on Instagram. Links and information from today's episode are in our show notes. DevOps State of Mind was produced and edited by Pamela Lawrence from Studio Pod Media. Thanks for listening.